Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we'll be reviewing the new Jonah Hill directed A24 film mid 90s. We'll also be taking a look at last week's Halloween. We know we didn't do a show last week, but by God, it's Halloween and we're going to do one, and that's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, we're also going to talk about October horror in general, being that this is our final show before the witching hour, the 31st. Right. And next week, uh, it won't be. October anymore, which bums me out. But <laughs> Offscript House of Horror. Offscript House of Horror. Yeah, it only took us a month to come up with a name for, for, for horror bits uh, for the show. Uh, but first, we need to talk about the news. The first thing this week, the Flash standalone movie pushes their start date and eyes a 2021 release. This is the Flash out of the DC Cinematic Universe. Andy, you're a DC fan. I don't know if you've done a whole lot of reading on this because I actually posted this article. What do you know about this? So... The Flash was supposed to start filming probably in March, sometime this spring, and because the script isn't quite ready yet, um, and Ezra Miller is already, um, he's filming the third Harry Potter film uh, spinoff in the Fantastic Beasts series, Yes, uh, he's not going to be available to film The Flash, so they're having to push it back, and this is just more bad news for DC. <laughs> they, they, they've canceled any sequels to Justice League mm -hmm. or the Ben Affleck Batman and Henry Cavill Batman. So it's they it's seeming really rickety. Like we may not really get a I'm not sure this may actually happen. Yeah, man, it's rough. Uh they they pushed back Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four as well. Uh to Yeah, be, big they spun it as, oh, now it's gonna be a summer release, which is where Wonder Woman should be. It's like, ah, it's still pushing it back though, which means there's problems. It's, so it, it'll be four year difference. Right. Oh God, you're right. That'll be four years. And something that's worth talking about regarding the Flash is it's tumultuous uh, timeline, uh, no pun intended, of, of it getting to the big screen. The Flash was originally announced in October 2014, four years ago. They announced wow. that, that Ezra Miller was going to play Barry Allen. It is, it is tumbled through, I think, three directors to get to where it's at now who have all signed on and then left the project. Uh, definitely two. I'm not sure about three. The script has changed hands. Originally, it was supposed to come out in 2018. That was when they were aiming to start. It's been pushed back to 2019, then 2020. Now it's aiming for 2021. You're coming up on some... C I mean, that you're a few years short of a decade from when you announced there was going to be a movie to when Gosh, it actually yeah. comes out. Yeah. Like, that's that's something. You're right. And it's starting to look like maybe it won't happen. This is not 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 good times for DC. Yeah. If if there's one thing that's impressive about Mar Marvel is not only that their, qual their film quality has been good, but just their streamlined production, like... Because it, they haven't had these hiccups, and their whole ten-year thing has has relied on the films coming out exactly when they need to come out. Right, like they had no room for for stalls and for errors. We've said it on this show before, and we'll say it again. Like DC's got to make some bold moves. They got to do something big, and they, they got to make it work. And like Wonder Woman was a great step towards that, but they need to do other things. And I think people have. Maybe leaned on Flashpoint as a sort of, you know, a, a, re, a redo, right? A, a, a yeah. restart, almost like X-Men Days of Future Past. And it could be that, but it's got to have a rock-solid script. It's got to have a good director, and it's got to have some good direction. And it doesn't seem like it has any of those things right now. Which yeah, is it, and it's rough. a really compelling story that people aren't familiar with. And I think that could really pull audiences in. Uh, the Flashpoint saga deals with, like, an alternate timeline, and you get a kind of a different Batman. Thomas Wayne is Batman in this timeline and, mm -hmm. and Bruce Wayne is actually the person who died in, in the alley. And so you get a lot of kind of else world things and it makes for a lot of really interesting characters and stories and, and setup. Uh, so I think it could really pull people in, but you got to get it done. Right. 
Uh, I'm predicting, and I know I shouldn't be in the prediction game, next hang up here, I'll bet Ezra Miller leaves. I'll bet that comes up next, which is a bummer for a number of reasons. One, I thought he was pretty good as the Flash, and and two, uh, I, I think he still wants to do it, but I, I don't know. Like, when's it going to happen? At some point, he's just going to be a little old, you know? Like, I don't know where that... Well, and then you have Fantastic Beasts, which is doing really well. Sure. It's on a really tight production schedule. And that's a very successful, an example of a successful franchise. Well, I hope successful. It's well, tough for me to say it's well, successful. Well, at least, like, str- like sh- sorry, I mean, more at, like successful in that the movies have been produced right. on their timeline. Warner Brothers very clearly is like, this is happening. We're making these movies. Like, it seems like they're going to they're gonna go for it. Uh, I am confused as to why he's in the second and third one. I felt like his arc kind of wrapped well in the first, but I guess that'll be a conversation for whenever we review Fantastic Beasts. In two. just two weeks. Is it in two weeks? Oh, my yeah. God. All right. Well, that'll hang out for two weeks, and you'll hear us talk about Ezra Miller in the new uh, in the new Fantastic Beast film. We'll have to have Amanda back. The next story. It's funny. Uh, Christine might actually be on that show as well. She, she kind of doesn't want to. I'm like, no, no. It's a podcast. You should, you should be on it. She's a big Harry Potter fan. Either way. Uh, the next story we have, another bummer, George Miller putting Mad Max sequels on hold to direct the epic 3,000 Years of Longing. This is his first announcement about his next film after Mad Max Fury Road. Warner Brothers is also in charge of, of, of Mad Max and what happens to them. Andy, bring me, bring me down here. <laughs> so, first of all, it's important people know that the Mad Max sequels were, were very much speculative at this point. Uh, there were rumors of a film called Mad Max The Wasteland, um, but we never really got a script or a director or any kind of... Um, you know, solid foundation uh, for that rumor. Um, and his next film, 3,000 Years of Longing, we don't know anything about. All we know is that it's an, another v- very big epic film, but we don't have no details. We mm-hmm. know Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton have signed on for it. Oh, wow. Uh, but that's um, that's all we know so far. Mm-hmm. Miller's been vocal about wanting to make sequels to Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, fans of it are probably aware there's been some some troubles with money and, and finances regarding Warner Brothers and, and his production company, uh, Kennedy Miller Mitchell is the name of it. There, George Miller, I should say, is suing Warner Brothers for unpaid earnings on Fury Road. Warner Brothers said he violated his contract by going over runtime and, and, and they wanted a certain rating on it, which didn't get. So it's basically he said, she said, and, and the problem is we're not getting any more brilliant Mad Max stuff, which is such a shame. You look at something like... Blade Runner 2049, Denis Villeneuve doesn't want to do that because, well, it didn't make box office. Mad Max well exceeded where it was supposed to be. It was yeah. a great movie. It was nominated for Academy Awards, for God's sake. And they're not making any more because money. Like, it's 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 very petulant and childish and dumb, but this is the world we live in. Regarding his new film, 3,000 Years of Longing, you're right. We don't know what it's about. I, I don't know what it's about. Looking at Fury Road, I'm thinking, man, maybe it'll be great. We also have to remember this is the man that made Happy Feet. Babe, Pig in the City, and the Witches of Eastwick. So for everybody out there thinking he can do great things, yeah, can he? Can he? So, <laughs> he, he can't. Well, it, if anything, he's proven that he can do things on a large, massive, epic scale. It's true. Uh, a- Andy, Andy knows I'm, I'm, I'm definitely coming in hot to the podcast this week. So <laughs> excuse my, excuse my attitude. Our last story: uh, Warner Media's Filmstruck subscription streaming service to shut down. Filmstruck is going down, kids. What a bummer, Andy. Did you subscribe to Filmstruck? No. I did not. And, and in, <laughs> for all our fans who don't know what Filmstruck is, it was an uh, Indian art house uh, streaming service. I got lots of ads for it on um, social media. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, elsewhere. Heard a lot about it. Um, but it was extremely, it's an extremely niche service that I just wasn't interested in. 
Yeah, and and this is one of these things that like I'm frustrated, and I'm also, and this this is gonna sound horrible, pleased by this news, and 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 there's a couple reasons. I'm frustrated because it does feel like you know bold cinema, as we call it on off script, is taking a step backwards. This was a a haven for real cinephiles to enjoy stuff they couldn't find on the internet anywhere else. It is a bummer. It's not gonna be around. That bums me out. On the same token. No, actually, b- before I move on, do you have anything to say about that? Do you? I mean, I mean, the streaming services are businesses, and the, this was very niche. And Warner Brothers have, has also cut out a couple of other very niche services. There was another one, I forget what it's called, but it, it focused on Korean dramas, uh, for instance. And there was a third one that was about super edgy film, which I don't really know what that means. But right. Uh, a lineup of 1,800 contemporary and classic art house indie foreign call films. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, you can only get so niche. You still have to have an audience. You still got to make money off your streaming product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was priced at ten ninety nine per month, and access to the Criterion Collection Library was an extra. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, it was six ninety nine per month, and then if you that. get Criterion, it's eleven dollars a month. Yeah, that was it. Criterion, the Criterion Collection is exactly why, in a way, I'm a little pleased. I, I've, I've got this horrible opinion that that so many cinephiles disagree with me on. I think the Criterion Collection is terrible, and I wish it wasn't a thing. <laughs> and people, yeah, well, how could you say it's, that? It's self made snobbery. Yeah, because it's thirty five dollars for films that should cost ten bucks. Like, yeah, it's it's self made snobbery. It's exactly that. So. Like, oh, no, the Criterion Collection streaming service got shut down? Good. Like, how about you put your stuff on services where other people can get it and you stop and you get off your eye horse and stop acting like you guys hold the greatest collection of films ever, all right? Like, they're movies, just like any other movie. Like, and, and, and personally, those should be available to everybody. They shouldn't be locked behind some freaking paywall somewhere. And you shouldn't expect kids to, to get their parents to pony up for movies like that. Like, you should throw them on Netflix and have have children watch them and learn what good films are well, and not put them behind some arbitrary <laughs> paywall. Anyway, sorry. It's Well, it's the same reason w- I did not watch the original Suspiria because you it is you cannot buy it and you cannot rent or Sorry, you have to either buy the DVD, but you can't rent it anywhere. You sure. have to subscribe to uh, some weird uh, films service. I don't even remember what it's called. Shutter, maybe? No. no. It, it's really obscure. Sure. But you have to subscribe to that just to see Suspiria. And I was like, well, I'm just not going to – I'm not going to buy it. And I'm not going to – like, if you make it available for me to rent, I will be more than happy to do that. But to hide everything behind paywalls, it's it's counterproductive. Sure. The first copy of Suspiria I ever tried to watch, and I think I probably still have some more, was a pirated torrent, which I didn't do myself. Ha ha. Good try, FBI. Uh, A friend in college gave it to me. But, yeah, it was was on a flash drive because he was like, you can't find the DVD anywhere. And if you want to get it, you have to buy it from some obscure service for like a bunch of money. Like, what a terrible way to market a film. That that's yeah. not that's not the way to do this stuff. Like, I'm sorry, I get I get your high horse and, and oh, it's it's fine cinema, great. But like, if if I can't get it somewhere, somebody's going to get it for me on the cheap. Um, this this wasn't a step towards that. There's too many streaming services. Obviously, it was too niche. They didn't have the audience for it. I'm hoping optimistically these films will be redistributed amongst the services that are out there and the rest of us can get a piece. That's what I'm yeah. thinking anyway. I, I can't imagine the Criterion Collection is going to be like, well, I guess we're just not streaming anymore. Like, no, I'm sure that will go somewhere. They will make their money somewhere else. Hopefully the rest of us can get be a part of that. I yeah. guess. It's interesting because I've seen a number of articles uh, talk about the importance of physical media at this point. Yeah. You know, they're like, this is why you need to keep buying DVDs or or Blu-rays is because you know the streaming services are they, they could go away and then where are you? Sure. 
and I get that. But at the same time, I, I've wanted to watch Videodrome for like five years, and the only way I can get a copy is if I blow forty dollars at Barnes and Noble, and like that's just not. I'm sorry, like I, I that's ridiculous. I, I shouldn't have to do that. So that's my spiel about the Criterion Collection and Filmstruck. It is a bummer. It's gone again. I, I'm thinking those movies will come back in some form or fashion sure. somewhere. It'll be all right, and that's that's me. Our first store, our first film, I should say. No, Before correspondence. We have some we correspondence. Had correspondence. I don't believe it. Yes, <laughs> we had correspondence on the show, which happens every once in a while, but we always forget to read it. Not this week, we say. We're not having it. Our correspondence was on Instagram, I think, right? That's right. By the user, uh, what was the name? Chase.Diedrich? Yep. Thanks, Chase.Diedrich. You're a doll. He said, bad times is one of the year's best. <laughs> Referring to bad times at the El Royale. Glad he liked it. Yeah. That rocks. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, we also enjoyed it, so for what it's worth. Uh, horrible at the box office, so. Yeah. You know, well, great. Yeah, God, God forbid anybody try anything original. Make another sequel. Yeah. How about how about that? Thank Co you, Chase, for writing in. Coming in hot this week. Like I said, I'm sorry. I'm, try I'm trying <laughs> to come down here. Our first film of the show, Andy, you graciously agreed to take the, the, the summary for this one. Please take it away. This is Jonah Hill's mid-90s. <laughs> So the, this is the directorial <laughs> debut of Jonah Hill. We've had a lot of directorial de debuts this month mm. um, who both r wrote and directed the film. October's a good time to dump sketchy movies. Yeah, yeah. Take, takes place <laughs> it takes place in the mid-90s, yes. around 1994, 95. Uh, it, the story centers around a small family. Um, the main character is uh, Stevie, played by Sonny Soljic, who was in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes. What else was he in? Is that it? I can't remember. He looks familiar, but I can't. I couldn't tell you from where. Um, anyways, they live in a small, uh, single-parent household. He lives with his older brother, played by Lucas Hedges, who's very uh, physically abusive and, for no real reason, just really hates him. Mm -hmm. um, this goes beyond regular kind of sibling rivalry or or kind of distaste. Uh, their mother, played by Catherine Watterson, who I didn't know was even in this movie. Yep, didn't know. Um, she uh, works all the time, and she dates a lot of random single mother yeah guys there's lots of kind of strange men in and out of the house and uh a you know lots. i think one in the movie right well one that it's we implied see. one yeah. yeah um and so stevie uh he's 12 13 and he's kind of a lonely guy and he kind of goes looking for friends and eventually meets meets and befriends a group of uh skateboarders and kind of takes up skateboarding himself and this kind of turns into a little bit of a, a coming of age story um, when he, he meets these friends and um, kind of d begins to develop as a young adult. Man, where to start with mid-90s? Um, I think a great place to start is its... Uh, well, what did you think? Inception direction. Let's start there. Okay. What did I think? <laughs> uh, I, I liked it, and, and it's the most begrudging I liked it I've, <laughs> I've had all year, I think. It reminds me of Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life. I wanted to not like this movie, and, and maybe that's just because Jonah Hill. Like I don't know, maybe there's yeah. there's something about it that I just I, I saw that, like I, I remember seeing the trailer of this movie and thought this looks cool. And then over time, the more I watched the trailer, the more I was just like, ugh. Like it's it's such a when you think about like super bad Jonah Hill and like that kind of raucous comedy. Like that's the kind of person I th I have in my mind. Right, and obviously he's not that person, and and we'll talk about this movie and why, but. 
Like, it's just so contrived. A film we watched earlier this year that I thought was was a brilliant way to tell a young coming-of-age story, The Florida Project, right. which is a horrendous thing to hold up to any other coming-of-age movie because that movie is so unique and special in its own way, and this does not hit that bar, I don't think, but it's very good, uh, and we should talk about why, uh, to Jonah Hill's credit. What did you think? Um, I I really liked it. I was really surprised. Like I said, I didn't... We we poked fun of <laughs> at Jonah Hill a lot of fun. all yeah. all all summer or the, like the last uh-huh. three four months. I had to watch this trailer so many times because it played before everything. It was horrible at, yeah. at Alamo, and I was real skeptical because it just looked like indie art house like yeah. stock. It was like oh weird ratio and soundtrack, and so I I just I thought it would be fine. Um, but it it's very good. It's it's really good. Um, and the reason it is is. First of all, it, it it avoids being nostalgia bait. It, like it's not about like, oh, remember that time back in the '90s? Like that just happens. Oh, you didn't think so? No, not okay. not really, because because of what it's a. This story I feel is kind of timeless because it's about a young man coming of age, and it, it's re- about masculinity and male relationships, mm-hmm. and kind of the the lack thereof because there there's no father in their home, um, and Stevie's older brother who would would and should kind of be kind of a positive male figure is the exact opposite. Like I say, he's very abusive. Um, and so he kind of looks for father figures in these, these friends that he finds. And at first he, he meets uh, Ruben, who's maybe a couple of years older than him. Um, and who, who there's a great part early on where he, he says, thank you for, or Stevie says, thank you for something. And don't he's know. like, don't, he's like, don't say that. That makes you sound gay. He's like, you know, and Stevie takes it to heart. He's like, oh, okay, I better not say thank you or someone's going to think I'm gay. It's like this whole, like, homophobic thing that that is real prevalent at that age. Yes. And eventually, you know. also in the time. Yeah. yeah. And eventually the older guys, like, they hear him saying, they're like, no, no, you can say thank you. You can have manners. And that's, again, that plays into this whole, like, father figure role because he has – uh, a couple of the older guys, uh, one of them named Ray, who's a very kind of positive father figure, but then he has another another guy who's a little bit more wild and excuse my language, his he's his name is literally fuck shit. Yeah, like that's how he's that's the name of the character in the film. Yeah, um, and he's kind of the opposite. He he's he just wants to party. He just wants to like drink and kind of go wild. And you know, Stevie looks up to all these people, and he kind of pulls a little bit from each of them. Yeah, I, 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 God, where do we start with this movie? Sorry, that was a long. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I, I want, I want to figure out a good place to jump in. Uh, let's start with the presentation. Four by three, film grain. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the whole movie. Take shot me back. four by three. Yeah, film grain. Um, pretty good for what it's worth. I, I, I would love to. A part of me thinks it's, it's, it's almost lazy in a way because Jonah Hill's first movie, and it's like, well, if you give him sixteen by nine, he's gonna fill, fill that whole frame. Give him four by three, less work. I, I did I did film school, man. Four by three is arguably no easier than sixteen by nine, like because it's just as much work to figure out what goes in frame and what goes where. So at the end of the day, that's not that bad. Uh, the the laid over film grain because I assume it was laid over in post, kind of like Mandy, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they added that later. A, a little rough at times. There's there's sometimes you get some pop ins and like cigarette burn kind of effects that are a little distracting. Um, but for what it's worth, look good. So and and it's it's immersive. I didn't I didn't feel like it was distracting. If, if anything, like I was into it by the end of the movie. I was I was into the four by three. I wasn't like God. Look at these black bars inside of the screen. Like it works. Yeah, it works fine. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, that's kind of what I wanted to a- ask you about as far as uh, the the technical stuff. Right. I think the only thing. So the soundtrack is uh, a big part of it. Oh as, God. As well, I, I I felt like uh, I like most of it. It did kind of. 
go overboard a little bit to me. Sometimes I thought, really, like uh, we just have. Sometimes it felt like maybe there was one too many songs. Okay, I I am such a sucker for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, and the original score for this this movie I thought was so good. I I, I honestly in that first opening sequence when Stevie's walking around his brother's room and just looking at stuff like and it's get these real cool close-ups with him like I got so into that bit and like they're 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 the ones who did the soundtrack for the social network David Fincher my my favorite um it, it tremendous but my god you only actually get the score like a handful of times yeah. the rest of the movie is all licensed tracks so exactly. it was almost a shame like you, the how little you hear the original score for the film it's barely and that's in the what movie. I mean yeah and but like ton of licensed music but at the same time a ton of licensed music like there's so much and it is a little overbearing at times um i know hill was was very persistent on i want this to feel and look like the mid 90s exactly as we remember it and for what it's worth everything works there the architecture works the, the props work they're playing super nintendo and they're listening to old you know old, old uh, east coast classics and like west coast classics i should say and that, that's all great but um Man, I, I really did stumble on that soundtrack because I liked it so much, but you hear it so little, yeah. <laughs> which is a shame. Uh, I want to talk about the way the story's told. It's very much told from Stevie's perspective, arguably to its detriment. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you made a couple points when you were introducing the movie. You said the brother is lonely. Uh, so we think, like, we're kind of led to believe yeah. the, the older brother doesn't have a whole lot of friends. That frustrated me because we're not shown he doesn't have a lot of friends. There's one line in the movie where yeah. it says, I mean, you don't see him with anybody, but at the same time, like from Stevie's perspective, you're not going to see your brother hanging out with his friends. He's going to be doing yeah. that on his own time. So when Stevie says you're just lonely, it's like, okay, well, you're telling me he is, but like, I don't know the character to be that way. The mom, uh, when you say there's, there's guys coming over, you only ever see one dude like once it, that might be a regular boyfriend for all we know, like maybe not, but we're not, we don't really get it. Yeah, I, I, what I liked about that that scene because we just kind of see see a guy very quickly leave yeah. her, her. Yeah, bedroom. very, very quick shot. I mean, he's a he's a total stranger to the audience, and that you know that's probably how Stevie feels. Like totally, dude, there's totally these strange, some, yeah, strange creep in the house. Yeah, uh, for for the friend Ruben, uh, the, the the gay thing, you think that's going somewhere? Kind of doesn't. Like you don't really like you don't really ever get anybody's story outside of Stevie's immediate story. Like, right. and, I mean, and you get a little bit more backstory, but I, I think that that whole thing plays into like this kind of theme of the importance of male positive realm, real, male role models, and right. how like Ruben also doesn't have that. Right. Like I never felt like anybody else's. I felt like everybody else's story mattered, but none of it ever get went anywhere it just kind sure. of i mean even i would argue the ending of the film is awkward and i don't know if you feel that way but credits and i was like oh god okay it's just over now like that which felt a little weird but um to be fair that also speaks towards its immersion i, I, I wasn't checking my watch when i was watching this movie i was into it um mm-hmm. we should talk about uh cast and performances um mm-hmm. The, the core group, like you get Stevie, his brother, Lucas Hedges, his mom, Catherine Watterson, and you get the the goofball friends, right? Right, yeah. Well done. I, I don't remember all of their names. They all had nicknames, but for what it's worth, like each one of them stands on their own. They feel like their own person. They, they get a fair amount of, you know. Right. Well, two of the older ones uh, are actually p- professional skaters first and not actors. Oh, so okay. uh, Nikhil Smith, who plays Ray, and Olin Prenet, who plays Fuckshit, are both <laughs> professional skaters. Yeah. And I mean, we see some really, really awesome skateboarding in this movie. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I was a big skater <laughs> when mm. I was uh, growing up. Uh, so I, I, it really kind of spoke to me. But I mean, they're really good. There's several parts where they're just like landing trick after trick after trick. And I swear to God, I never see skateboarders land tricks right. in real life. Yeah, uh, they, they were tremendous. The skateboarding was great. All of that culture felt really good. And man, like na- they really nailed uh, Stevie, like getting a board and like going outside and just falling over and over and over and over again. And then when he finally nails like a, a ollie, like or a, a half, for the a half yeah. a ollie, yeah, he's like so excited. Nobody's around to see it, but like, it, it, like it's very, it speaks a lot to being a kid. Like that felt yeah. great. That and was we, a really good bit. And the, you know, the movie's really about like this wanting to be long, and you know, because he is a terrible skater. Like he, he's rolling to, he's kind of a poser. <laughs> like he oh, just, big time. He just yeah. like walks. He, like he wears all the skateboards stuff and he you know he's got a board but he's like he's pretty terrible mm-hmm. but it, it's not about that it's just about the belonging to this group of, of skaters being a, being ha- having like a people to um to hang out with right and it reminded me um so it reminded me a lot of uh, skate kitchen mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. i saw earlier and that movie is actually a lot more focused on skateboarding but it's very similar kind of coming uh, of age story but it's interesting to see two movies that movie focused on a group of girls mm-hmm. um and it's contemporary and this is the opposite of that yeah and that that element of like male bonding and that feeling of like looking up to people who were cool and like stevie kind of getting into that culture like that was all really neat Uh, that felt really good um it definitely throws any kind of modern like contemporary attitudes towards like pc culture and stuff to the wayside completely just completely i mean yeah you you've, you've got young kids drinking smoking like doing things that are not okay and they shouldn't do um but it's an R-rated yeah, film, it, and like I think, I think that's kind of with the understanding going in. Like, hey, this is this is a presentation of events. This is not any kind of like catering toward towards your ex- expectations. Yeah, that's something we haven't talked about. That um, you know, the, he doesn't just make friends. Like, their friends like party and they drink and they smoke and they do drugs. Oh, yeah. and they're like, and Stevie gets in involved with this as well. And he's like twelve. Like, he's pretty it, pretty it, young yeah, it, to be it, doing it, this. Watching it feels as uncomfortable as it sounds. Like, it is it is really something else because it feels like a very real world, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so. Uh, one of the comments that I read somewhere was that it was a little bit like kids light um, <laughs> where, where it's it's not quite as hardcore as that movie but it's still yeah a very accurate uh portrayal um of just you know kids partying and, and especially the older guys there because they're like 17 they're about to graduate they're about you know so yeah. they're they're kind of in in they're more adults and the movie never really it arguably never really makes a commentary on whether or not this stuff is right or wrong i think it just leaves it to you to figure out like how you feel about it, whether or not you're okay with what Stevie's doing, because the movie doesn't really, it doesn't really lean either way. I think. Right. What I kind of got from it, it just it kind of brings up the importance uh, of family because his family is so dysfunctional that he goes off and kind of gets involved with these other guys who may kind of be bad for him. But I mean, his his home life is equally as toxic. So sure, but I don't know. I I, I don't. I never really got any feeling of like hope ever in the movie like it's just it's all bad like there's a couple characters who are like man i'm gonna get out of here when i hit it big you know skating sure, like yeah. it's, it's gonna be great that's neat but like that that opportunity is not present for any of the others i mean i guess it is they can they can go out and earn it if they want maybe that's the message you got to work hard for what you want but like 
Man, it, it, the message is also like, if you want to fit in, you you do what all the other kids do, and if all the other kids are are, are taking yellow pills on a bus, by God, you're going to do it too. And and that's, the, rid- the Ritalin that that's that's what really took me back. Yeah, like just a very <laughs> and again, like it, it it works well, like in the presentation of of the setting and like the world, like it all feels very real and believable. Yeah, it takes me back. Great, but like they're just. I don't know. I got to the end of the movie. And I left. I left the theater feeling so stunted by the whole thing. I was just like, God, I don't know how to feel about this thing. I liked it, but like morally, I just felt ambiguous. Which I, again, I guess is kind of the point. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, like I said, to me, it was. It's about friends and the importance of family, the importance of like masculinity and male bonding mm-hmm. and positive male relationships. And, yeah. this, and this is why what I said really surprised me about Jonah Hill because I did not expect him to like tackle a subject i just thought it was going to be some indie coming at like predictable coming of age i think whatever when people talk about this movie they should call it jonah hill's mid 90s because to me that's like adding dress for less at the end of ross and saying <laughs> ross dress for less for some reason adding the whole thing makes it feel like more derogatory in a way i i, I don't know but uh mid 90s i mean it's a cool flick you think it's a, a darling for any any awards this year got any picks um, I, I no, get, no, pro- probably not. I, I just, it, I liked it, but I mean, you got to contend with some, probably some heavy hitters. I mean, like first man. Right. I mean, the performances are great. Everybody felt good, but I don't think any of them are going to be yeah. there, Oscar there's contenders. A, I, there's a particularly good and kind of heartbreaking scene with, um, Stevie and his mom when they're getting into it and really yelling at each other. Yeah, like, it was really good. Full, yeah. full force. Um, yeah, there, there were some really good scenes like that. There's um, a really well choreographed scene where a bunch of skaters are running from cops, and there's probably like 100 people yeah. in this scene, and that, I just thought that that was really well kind of made and choreographed. It is a really cool scene where a couple guys are talking to a homeless guy who I I don't know for sure, but pretty confident that guy isn't like an actual homeless person. He's an actor. I don't know. Just I, though his, his cadence and everything, I was just like, you're not actually homeless, but maybe he wasn't the most convincing, but like, the setting and the feeling of it was really cool. Like skaters talking to homeless people and like, Hey man, what's going on? How'd you get out here? And like, I don't know. Like the, this feeling of togetherness, the movie really brings you in and like gets you involved, which is good. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see, uh, the original score again, Trent Reznor, is Ross nominated. Don't know. It's only in the movie like four times, which is genuinely like, I, I don't know. I tell people to go hunt down the soundtrack on Spotify, but I don't even know if it's on there. Uh, anything else I guess before we move on I, I'm enjoying the conversation but I feel like we're, we're probably yeah we, we should far. probably move on uh, recommendations uh, yes Andy would you I guess it's my I should pose this <laughs> uh, would you recommend mid 90s uh, yes absolutely it was a big surprise from Jonah Hill uh, good story good subject uh, con- really convincing performances um, there is a lot of there's some graphic violence there is some sexuality lots of drug and alcohol use so just be aware of those things uh, I, I don't take the kids. Right. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Despite all of our ribbing on Jonah Hill, it was good. I liked it. I roll my eyes when I say that, but it is good. It, it's, it's worth your time. Uh, if you want to watch something that's a little, you know, a little different, it's a, a little off the beaten path. Again, it's four by three film grain, not a super satisfying ending to me, but maybe it's what you take away from it. Uh, I think you'll really be into it. Um, if you're looking for anything more mainstream, probably not your scene. Uh, wait till it comes out of streaming service. You can swing it. It'll probably be on HBO or Amazon. I bet I'll have it. Yeah. Um, mid-90s. Cool movie. We should talk about October Horror. What do what you call this? Offscript House, Off-script of-, House of Horror. 
just came up with that. Just now. Before yeah, the show. Good. Minutes before the show. <laughs> uh, so we should talk about what we've watched uh, October in review. Andy, you have not watched a whole lot of horror this month. I did catch up this week, though. Okay. Um, that we were off. So um, I, I was on a, a cabin trip, and we did have good cable. Uh, nice. So I watched Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2. Nice. <laughs> um, would. You know, the, the first one has a lot going for it. Some of it, it's cheesy just because it's been 35 years. Um, yeah, you know you know the night that came out in the theater wasn't cheesy at all. People, oh, yeah. People were scared as hell. I mean, yeah. there's still s- some good. And what it does, it, it just does a different take on, on the slasher. There's genre. some great stuff in there. Yeah. Um, the second one is real bad. Like, real. that's like. <laughs> they get bad fast. So I yeah. think. <laughs> I think that it must have gone to a, like a different production company because it's a whole different cast. Uh-huh. It's a, the storyline. Like they don't really do the dream thing as much as just like the guy finds like Freddy's glove and he kind of becomes it's, Freddy. It's I know. I, I don't know it's why really they thought out there. I don't know why they thought they had to change the formula because they could have done the same movie again. Yeah, like, and it would worked. In the third and fourth one, they go they go back to they get Heather Langenkamp back and yep. they kind of go back to you know what what the original story uh, was about. Uh-huh. Um, I also watched uh, the Ritual. On Netflix, which I, I I know nothing. Who's in that movie? What is it about? Uh, so it's a British cast, um, okay. and all I'll say it's it's about uh, a group of guys. They go hiking in Sweden, and they kind of get lost and need to take a shortcut through the woods. Oh yeah, it's the Lost in the Woods movie. Yeah, now I remember. Okay, I haven't watched that. I haven't seen a trailer for it in a while, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember so seeing I've, trailers a while I, back. I'd heard a lot ab- about it. I didn't see a see a trailer and decided to watch it, and it's. Uh, I I like the first half, but in the second half, but it uh, it's got some good creepiness. It's got some good scares. Good and it's, I mean, it's and it's free on Netflix if you if you subscribe I to that. that. So, I yeah, w- that's kind of what I watched this week. I want to mention a couple things from Nightmare because I I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street was one of those movies that when I watched it as a kid, like really scared the hell, like didn't want to go to sleep. Scared yeah. me. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, one one thing I love about that movie, and one thing that's really hokey about it. One thing I love that bathtub sequence is still great. Yeah, that's still cool. Like the, the the camera way down low on the water, and like the 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 hand comes up and she gets pulled into it. Like that that whole sequence, I think, is really neat. Something I've always adored about the movie that is incredibly hokey. That I think it's the second to final shot when the mom gets pulled through the window. <laughs> yeah, it's like so clearly a dummy. Like oh god, it's such a horrendous effect. Um, but I love that shot. Like I love it so much. Well, and you know, I was thinking because I think it's hard to. Do a new. I mean, Halloween set the standard for the slasher, so it's hard to yeah. come up with new new things or new ways to do it. So I think this film did a really good job of of doing that, and I and it really had leaned more on the gore side as well, mm-hmm. like the scene where Johnny Depp falls asleep and he gets pulled through the bed, and there's just sure like a fountain. <laughs> of it's blood. a cool looking effect. Yeah, I still don't. I was, I, I was thinking. I'm not sure how they did it. I, I wonder if it's filmed up, upside down. Or it had to have been they, because the water is just like pouring yeah or the blood is just pouring i mean they they rock it so much blood through that bed i mean it is it is such a wild effect and it's such a cool like punctuation on the story because you think they did it and and the, the the hot hunky guy boyfriend helped out and it all worked out and then yeah there's the fountain of blood that comes shooting out of that bed is so gratuitous also the the part at towards the end where she uh she like sets all the traps that's like it reminds me of Home Alone. Home Alone, totally before Home Alone. But she also does it in like five minutes, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, oh yeah, it, it, montage. Yeah, I I always really classic. loved that that scene in in the movie when the God, what the the it's one of the first girls that gets torn up when her and the boyfriend are together mm-hmm. and and she gets pulled up onto the ceiling. I always thought that effect was so cool. Like, yeah, really early Inception stuff where they like 
flip you know they, they they film the room upside down and like it just looks so neat like she's getting dragged across the ceiling by this invisible thing like it's such a cool look but um really really always liked nightmare let's see what have i watched i of course the shining i watched back but we'll, we'll get we'll get to that later. i'm gonna watch the shining in the next three nights somewhere i damn it, it i'm watching it before october's over i wanted to wait till the end i've really man i really phoned it in this october and i don't know what happened i was so stoked about october you can put together a little montage of me talking about <laughs> how excited i was about october on the show um, I watched a lot of kids flicks with Christine because she she is very horror light, not a big horror fan. We watched the Halloween Town series from Disney Channel, Disney Channel original movies, uh, Halloween Town, Halloween Town Two, Calabar's Revenge, and Halloween Town High. Uh, first one pretty good, second one not so great, third one my god. Uh, and and Halloween Town fans out there disagree, real ones know. So if you feel differently, it's fine. Uh, let me know. In the comments or on Facebook, hit me up, roast me for all I care. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it more if anybody wants to. I watched the first half of Evil Dead 2 before I fell asleep. First year, I haven't watched Evil Dead first because normally I watch all three. This year, I was like, you know what? I'm skipping Evil Dead. I've seen it 15 times. I, I just want to watch Evil Dead 2. Fell asleep halfway through, which is a bummer. But, man, I, I, I forgot. Like It feels like every, almost every shot in that movie something cool happens there's either some sick camera effect where they like put it on stilts and like swung it down off a thing or like the camera comes blasting in through a window or there's some kind of cool practical effect like bruce campbell's wearing some crazy mask or he's cutting his hand off or there's some goofy something like the hand is dragging him around the room and hitting him with plates like every almost every shot in evil dead 2 something rad is happening and like i love it so much and mm -hmm. I, I i didn't finish watching it i'll probably finish maybe tonight i'll stay up and watch it but uh just a brief appreciation what what hasn't been said about evil dead 2 you've seen it right no my god <laughs> sorry who am i doing a podcast with <laughs> I, I, I don't even know who you are anymore have you seen any of them i've probably seen bits and pieces oh man you either you either have or you haven't so here's the strange thing is like so I was a kid when a lot of these these slasher things were like a big deal, and so I they would not have been kid appropriate. They would not. I would oh, not sure. have been. Taken. Oh sure. So like, yeah, yeah. I kind of had to see them after they had were already after their heyday, essentially. Right. Um. Which don't get me wrong. I I saw all these movies in the rear view. Yeah, I wasn't watching Nightmare on Elm Street when it came out or anything. But I I I had uh, horrible horrible friends who, uh, similar to the friends in, in mid nineties would be like dude my my older brother got this tape that he's he yeah. like you can't watch this it's nightmare on elm street we're gonna watch it we'd stay up till 3 a.m and watch it and then i couldn't sleep because my god like that movie horrified me you know like that's so i've got a little bit of nostalgia etched in those whereas you did not watch them when you were kids so yeah you don't you don't quite feel that way but in a way that's part of what makes this podcast so compelling you can look at these things at face value yeah uh, which is good and that actually is, is a decent segue into our next topic halloween but before we get there Anything else you want to watch before the end of October? I know you had a big screening plan for the 31st. Uh, that's right. That'll be coming up for uh, Suspiria. Which is going to be so rad. Um, and I'm glad. So <laughs> I prepared for all two hours and 40 minutes of it. Mm. Um, My but, God. But before I get to that, I do want to get a, a, a screening of Hellraiser. You should. In, in, I know it's on Netflix, and it's only about an hour and a half, so I might watch that uh, tonight or tomorrow. I'm I'm so disappointed in the movies I haven't watched this year because yeah like I said every October I get all Jones I watched the Goonies I think I saw, I watched that over again I watched I think I mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean which does not really count but in my head I was like maybe I can count it as October kind of it's ghosts in it um, 
man, Hellraiser is one of those ones that like is never at the top of the list for like quality horror, but it should always be in like top ten easy. Like it's so it's so good, and like so many people, oh, it's dumb and it's low budget. I'm like, no, man. Like there was some there was some rad effects in Hellraiser. That movie scared me so bad when I was a kid. Like Jesus, Hellraiser yeah, like, was wild. The body horror is off the charts. Oh, it's so quality. That that guy's slowly like coming back slimy. Like oh. If you've never seen Hellraiser and you're listening to this podcast, do yourself a solid. It is on Netflix right now. Take some time this evening. Go home. Turn off the lights. Turn up the volume. Watch Hellraiser. Like, I promise that movie's cool. And I heard rumors, possible possible remake. But at the same time, Hellraiser 9 came out recently on straight to DVD. So, I don't know. Right. Hellraiser. It didn't have some hokey name. I don't remember. But I would love to see that kind of remade in a in the modern era me too i would like to watch before the end of the month uh definitely the shining Uh, i want to watch um i want to finish evil dead 2 at the very least and i want to this is going to be a a recommendation for a service that that andy would not recommend so take it with a grain of salt uh if anybody out there is a fan of commentaries on films especially fan commentaries the original halloween starring michael myers uh, there is a fan commentary available from the good folks over at Red Letter Media. I know. Stop me. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 do, they do little commentaries on their Bandcamp page of movies, and they tell you how to sync them up or whatever at the beginning. Like, oh, when the Touchstone logo comes up, hit it or whatever. I watched it last year. Man, the, the Red Letter Media commentary for the original Halloween is, is genuinely cool. They have so much trivia and stuff in there. So if you're, if you're looking to watch Halloween be like, ah, it's long and boring, nothing really happens, maybe try it with a commentary. Give it a shot. It, it's on their Bandcamp page. You're supposed to pay a dollar. The whole thing's on there free. It's optional. Like it's That's pretty interesting. It's kind of neat. Yeah, it, it might be worth your time if you're looking for a fresh injection of, of something old. Otherwise, I would prob- I'll probably try to watch Halloween, which means I need to watch three movies over the next three nights. It's going to be busy for me, but I want to make it happen because... October, damn it. Uh, and The Shining deserves a night all its own. With that, we should move on to our final film. Uh, we are well ahead of schedule so far, so this may be a short episode, but for what it's worth, this is David Gordon Green's Halloween. I've been given the easy summary this week. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Halloween is essentially a a remake reboot of the original John Carpenter classic filmed 40 years ago. This takes place 40 years after the original Halloween. This is the story of Laurie Strode, uh, played by Jamie Lee Curtis from the original, 40 years following the film. She is a a jaded woman. Uh, She she was attacked by what she deems the boogeyman, Michael Myers, uh, 40 years ago, and she has lived her whole life essentially expecting that it can happen again, that evil does exist. Uh, She's taught her daughter that. Her daughter's had a granddaughter. Uh, there's this little kind of family unit now that, that that's associated with Laurie Strode, but she's a she's a disenfranchised grandmother. Uh, she 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 doesn't really associate with her, her her daughter and granddaughter because she's the weird grandma who's afraid of the boogeyman and has a house full of you know full of firearms. You've seen the trailer, you know how it goes. Well, on Halloween night or the night before Halloween night, I should right. say, Michael Myers is being transported in a in a mental asylum bus just like the original the bus crashes just like the original and michael myers is loose on halloween night and he's coming for laurie strode and that's the movie it's just like the original there's a couple of change-ups to the formula but the formula is the same i adore the original halloween 
Andy, you haven't seen the original Halloween, <laughs> yeah, which I, makes this a great foil to talk about this. What did you think of Halloween? Um, so so I, I enjoyed it, and it, it worked for me. So because I haven't seen the original, I've, I feel like I've seen so much of it. I've seen a lot of, like, the deaths, and I've seen the, the ending. Um, but I didn't know some of these larger elements were actually the same, like mm-hmm. the the bus crash and, and all that. So that that's completely news, news to me. Um, so what's interesting is uh, we talked about a video, video essay we watched uh, by our friend over at Jack's Movies yeah. Reviews um, where he, he talked about horror in The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Same throw, throw Jack a follow on YouTube if you can swing it, by the way. He's a good guy. That's right. Um, and he talks about the, there's three. Stephen He quoted Stephen King saying there's three types of horror. There's the unnatural, the grotesque, and the, the psychological. Yeah. And what this film starts with is the psychological because you, you, it opens with uh, this podcast. <laughs> this oh, true, God. This true uh, crime podcast, guys. Yeah, they were, they were like, we're a couple of podcasters, and we're here to interview Michael Myers. I was like, oh, God, it hurts. Oh, it hurts <laughs> so, so bad a doing bit a film podcast. Real. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> So, so they come to, to meet him, and, you know, he, he's out in this open, you know, he's in the yard chained to this block, and, uh, and the guy's trying to get a reaction out of him and eventually riles up the whole thing. And th- I was really on board with that. Like, the psychological part of, of, the, of the horror really kind of worked for me. And, the, you know, we see the, the deaths kind of ramp up, and we get different kinds. Uh, we get implied violence, and then we get very graphic uh, violence and we we get some moments of terror and you know it's got a couple of jump scares but there's a lot of things where it was just it was real scary uh, there's there's a part where there's a woman in a bathroom and she's trapped and like there's not a jump scare but she can't, she's trying to get away you know she's not right get it's away. it's it's scary because like it's not just scary because jump scare scary it's scary because they built it up and like they slowly and methodically like okay this is going to be drawn out and like you know it's coming he's going to find her like it's scary for scary's sake like it's good yeah. stuff yeah um the other thing is that it um it kind of subverts things uh i i, I listened to a really incredible interview with jamie lee, lee curtis on the kermode and mayo show and you know this is very much about the victim tank kind of reclaiming their innocence uh, because we meet Laurie Strode. She's not like a badass like uh, Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. She's very much a victim of PTSD. Yeah. Like she, you know, she has trouble being around her family. You can tell she's like kind of on the verge of a mental breakdown yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Like there, there's genuinely like some mental issues she has, arguably a drinking problem. Like the reason she, she doesn't spend time with her family isn't because like, Oh, they just don't get along. It's like no, they think she's insane, like because she acts insane. Like it, 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 it's built up in the world that way, where it's like it's almost logical the way she acts because she seems so illogical because of Michael Myers, who is by no means a logical being. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about how it starts off. Uh, what did you say? More about the psychological horror, right? And and towards the end, it starts to taper off and that's that's always been a thing with michael myers and that's something i i really enjoyed about this movie uh, not to get too far into spoilers um because I, you know, we're not about that life but like michael myers has had a couple of presentations over time because uh, there were there were what like eight halloween movies or something and two of them were rob zombie which were a reboot which were really clumsy yeah, the, the timeline's and, and all over the place it's all over the place and and and, and there's, there's problems with that this one essentially ignores i think all of them, including Halloween 2. I think this one straight up is is acting like Halloween 1 happened and then this one. Because yeah. at one point, Laurie Strode dies in the Halloween thing. This is not that way. All of those events are essentially ignored. This is, hey, if we could make a direct sequel to Halloween, this is how we do it. And in that way, it makes a great bookend. But 
Michael Myers in this movie is presented as as at first as a, a psych psych ward case. I mean, the, the podcasters mentioned that they're like, oh, he's just a crazy man in a mental asylum. Laurie Strode refers to him as the boogeyman. Uh, come to find out she's pretty much right, not because of any real supernatural aspect, but the dude, and this is something I've always loved about Michael Myers, he's just evil incarnate. Yeah, it reminds me of Anton Chigurh in, yeah. in, in No Country for Old Men. He's just bad. Like, it's not a matter of, oh, he, he's got a, an ulterior motive, or he has to do this because that. Nope. No rhyme, no reason. He just has to kill. He's just a murderer, just walking around. Like, and I... I love that about Michael Myers. That's that's what I've 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 talked about on this show so many times that like good horror, good stories often are simple. They're just told in a complex way, and that's Michael Myers in this movie. He is just a bad dude. Like he doesn't he doesn't talk. Yeah, like, he doesn't no have rhyme feelings. or reason. Yep, he's just murdering for murder's sake, and I love it. It's good old fashioned slasher horror. <laughs> and that was my favorite things about this movie. That when Michael Michael gets the mask, you're like, here it comes. He's gonna murder. Like, and he does, and it feels good, and I like that. So, um, we should talk about again the bookend with Laurie Strode, the flip of it, because you can watch from the trailers and tell. A little bit. It's got that Linda Hamilton T2 vibe. Like, yeah. he, he came for me, and now I'm coming for him. Like, I got I got a house set up full of Home Alone traps, and it's going to be great. And and yeah, that's a, all well and good, but it doesn't play out the way she wants. Like, it doesn't, right. doesn't quite go her way. Well, I, what I like, uh, there was a, a really great line that says, you know, what keeps the two going? And, and I think it's like the doctor says, oh, they, they both fear being a predator of the other. Yeah. Yeah, in a cool, almost like Batman Joker kind of way. Like, yeah, yeah which which is a neat, again, a neat way to bookend it. And that's with the assumption that they won't make another one, which looking at the sales numbers, yeah. I'm sure they will. He's coming back. Yeah, there will be another one of these, which is a shame because uh, they don't need to do another one. There's a really good flip. But like there, there's there's a great sequence towards the end where Laurie Strode is looking for Michael in the house. And at one point she pops into a closet and it's just like the ending of the first one except reversed she's now the predator and he's the thing she's looking for and like that's really neat and all but i i, I find myself frustrated because i i never i don't know i guess kind of like t2 i'm like i, I never laurie strode never needed to be the aggressor and, and it's a cool way to go with the story but like i man i like michael myers doing the doing the killing just sign me up for more michael myers stabbing there's a lot of stabbing in this movie i was gonna say he does plenty of killing lots of killing <laughs> uh not not enough personally for me uh, I, I something <laughs> the script here hear me out oh my god and i'll tell you why i was complaining about this earlier Halloween 2018 is a film of conveniences. It is a film that, that things happen in the movie to get Michael Myers from A to B to get to the showdown with Laurie Strode. It, it doesn't sure. it doesn't feel quite organic in that way. There's a sequence, all right, in this really cool long take bit. It's really neat and definitely an homage to the original that also had a pioneering of, of long takes in ways uh, where Michael Myers is walking through this woman's house after he just brutally murders her with a hammer and swaps out his hammer for a butcher knife. I think that's in the trailer. Uh, he, he, he's walking through the house and he hears a baby crying and walks to a nursery and stops, looks at the baby. And then I don't want to say what happens. Well, I have to, 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 to go where he I'm going. He keeps going. He doesn't kill it. And I'm like, no, no, not my Michael Myers, sir. My Michael Myers would <laughs> oh, have silenced that child. happy if he's not seen baby That's killing. That's right. <laughs> uh, you don't have to kill it, but I don't know. But there's also in the, in the trailer, there's a bit where two two kids bump into Michael on the street. And, and they, oh, God, what is he about? And then walk away. Doesn't do anything to him. Just walks right by him. Which at first I was like, oh, that's cool. But then later... 
He's a man on a mission. Definitely Ice is a kid, and that doesn't slow him down. So I'm like, okay, where's the line? Like, what? Like, Michael Myers clearly isn't above child killing unless it's of a certain age, I the, guess. The line is the audience. It's what the audience can Exactly. Take. And in that way, it's a film of conveniences, which frustrated me. Uh, I, I, The Rob Zombie Michael Myers is a brutal SOB, man. The Rob Zombie Michael Myers will, like, gouge your eyes out with his hands to murder you like doesn't matter whereas the carpenter michael myers in the original is very patient he'll, he'll hang out by the bushes over there and you think you see something maybe it's not and like he's over he's through the window maybe that's him i can't tell like he just kind of you know he's almost like a ghost this one like it kind of rides that line but it never definitively decides hey is this guy cold-blooded doesn't care about anybody is murdering everybody always or is there some kind of method of the madness and that's Arguably a plot point in the film. Is there a method to Michael Myers? Is there is there a reason he's doing things? Right, yeah. Or is he just murdering to murder? And I think the latter. Yeah, de oh, definitely. But at, the, but at the expense of, oh, by the way, he doesn't kill that kid, I guess. Like, so I don't know. Uh, th there's a, a plot twist in this movie. Did it feel as clumsy to you as it felt to me? Probably. Okay. <laughs> we wouldn't have to get into it, but uh, the cast. Uh, lots of women in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Judy Greer. Judy Greer as Laurie Strode's daughter, who is also the mother of a high schooler, played by, I don't know her, she's a newcomer. Andy Matichek. All good. All felt good. Um, let me tell you, there, there were some characters in here that were hokey, like the like uh, a fine example, and I don't want to say what happens to him, if anything. Uh, the neckbeard. Judy, Judy Greer's husband. <laughs> oh, like this God. Hokey dad character. And, like, this is something I've always loved from old school slasher movies. That dude's a dick. The old, <laughs> yeah. The older I get, the more I, I watch old school slasher movies. And I'm not rooting for, like, crappy side characters. I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to see them get stabbed. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. And, like, this movie's got its fair share of those characters, <laughs> yeah. which is arguably a good thing. If you're into campy slasher flicks, like there are definitely characters in here. Like, man, I can't wait to see them get murdered, and they do, and you'll enjoy it, which is good. Uh, the, the high schooler girl has has a friend or two that are kind of assholes, and you're just like, man, I hope they, I hope yeah, they get ice, and, and <laughs> oh yeah, ooh, it happens, which is good. You also get some good old fashioned innocent bystanders. Just people at home. R wrong who place, don't, wrong yep, time. Wrong place. Where Michael Myers comes through like a storm, man, and there's nothing you can do. And in that way, like, the slasher stuff felt good. It really did. He felt a little supernatural, but not too out of place. Like, yeah, and, the, and that's what I understand about the series is that it's always, it's a little ambiguous about what he is. Yeah. Like, he rides the right. line between. Right. He's, reality it's and never, the, again, the Rob Zombie one was pretty much like, he's a mental patient. It's, that's the way it is. But, like, I, yeah, I always liked that. I always liked that it was like, he's, 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 and this movie leans into that the boogeyman. He he is he is the the boogeyman incarnate. He's not he's not a monster. He doesn't have tendrils or anything. He but he's just a dude who is unnaturally evil, like for no yeah. reason other than being evil. But I think also, and this is kind of what grounds it is that he does you know is portrayed to have this incredible strength. Oh yeah, you know, and I, and I think yes, that's yes. something that's very you know you see a guy that's like six eight. Hulking, mm -hmm. like, what are you going to do? <laughs> right, which you got to, again, you got to kind of leave that, your expectations at the door there. There's a scene where he grabs a guy and, and runs his head into a wall. And the guy's covered in blood, broken nose. Then he does the same to Laurie Strode a half hour later. She's fine. Like, it's a film of conveniences. Sure. Like, and, and again, like, uh, may, I, I really did start to think maybe that's intentional. Like, maybe... 
it's supposed to be that way because it's supposed to be like old horror, but like I don't I don't think it was. I think it was just a little clumsy in the writing. The writing, of course, by Danny McBride. We should talk about him. There's there's definitely some unnecessary comedy. Right? A little oh, bit. A little bit. I can't really remember. I, I, I got two sequences for you that I can tell you about. One is a dad and a kid in a car. And the kid is talking about this is when they find the the, the flipped over uh, oh, right. bus. And the kid is talking about like the dad's wearing camo and he's like, I don't get why you don't want to come out hunting with me, son. And the kid's like, Dad, I just want to dance. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be a dancer. That's just what I want to do. And he's like, well, I think you should, you know, I think you should pick up a shotgun. And that's what I you know. And he's like, I, I know, Dad, but this is really important to me. That whole bit. I'm just like, what is this? Like, I don't even <laughs> these characters don't even have names. Like, I don't you know. And and I think that's just some Danny McBride. Uh, you know, like character stuff, because that seems like something that seems like a scene he he would act in. The, the other one, and this one is much more painful. Two cops are hanging outside of of Laurie Strode's house uh, on the on the penultimate night because they're like, well, in case Michael Myers comes looking for her, right? Like she's the woman. We gotta we gotta watch her and protect her. One, just like Terminator. Why wasn't she just at the police station, full of cops? Like yeah. that would make sense. And two, like these guys are sitting out there talking and like. They're talking about food or something. One of them's talking about like a oh, yeah. euro, and he's like, "Oh well, I like my euro with peanut butter, but that's not how they do it over there." And this guy's like, "Well, here's what I brought for dinner. It's a brownie and icing that I made myself from my own recipe." I'm like, "What the hell are these two guys talking about? Like, what are they doing? Like, what, what is?" Oh, this? And gosh. I think it's supposed to be for a laugh, but it just doesn't work. And like, what it should have been is two cops sitting. You know, if you're if you're gonna, I, I think the, the whole pitch was. Let's build these characters up with a little bit of dialogue, give them a little something, and that way, when they're threatened, you care a little bit more. Yeah. But again, to me, it was the opposite. I was like, man, I can't wait to see these cops get murdered. Like, what a, <laughs> this stupid crap they're talking about doesn't matter at all, and I can't wait to see them get iced. with the crowd? Uh, I didn't. And I heard, arguably, that was worse for the movie. Really? I, I, I've I heard didn't see it with the crowd say, either. Yeah, I've heard people say that went and saw it, see it with a crowd, because that, that like feeling of like everybody... You know, laughing, yeah, everyone and, and laughing, everyone yelling, and stuff like that. Yeah. That that makes it a lot more fun. I, I mine was a very quiet screening, so I wasn't that fortunate. But. Yeah, there's there were definitely some a couple of jump, jump scares. I was thinking, yeah, that'd be really fun and effective in a crowd. There's yeah, definitely there's and the feeling like oh here he comes, you know, you better run, get out of there, kid. Like that's all good fun, but. Regarding the cops, what that should have been, if you're going to build them up a little bit, is have them have them you know sit in the car and one of them's like smoking a cigarette, looking out the windows and. One of them is talking about his, his wife. Yeah, my wife, you know, she's on chemo or something. And he, he's just like, yeah, yeah, that's a bummer, man. And I don't know. So what was it? What was the deal with this Michael Myers guy? Yeah, forty years ago. You know, I don't know. Like, you get, there's a yes. better way to use Something that besides a stupid sandwich. They're just yeah, bullshitting about about a euro or whatever. Like, and it happens a couple times in the movie. And I think it's supposed to be for a laugh. It doesn't land. There is a, a babysitting sequence with this this little black kid who is hilarious. That part was. Funny. He was good, yeah. Uh, although out of place, and again, he just kind of vanishes in the movie, like because he it's escapes. Like, yeah, we don't want to kill him. He'll be he back in the sequel. Gets away. <laughs> I, he will be back in the sequel, I'm sure. Uh, it movie of conveniences. Um, I, I'm sure I have more to say. But again, we're way over. <sighs> Recommendations. Andy, would you recommend uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween? Yeah, I think if you're a fan of horror and you're a fan of the Halloween series, uh, particularly the original, um, yeah, I, I think it's probably for you. Um, it is incredibly violent, uh, so be prepared. Lot, lots of murder. Yeah. So, you know, just be prepared for that. Yeah, I, I would recommend this movie with friends. Yeah. Watching it alone, uh, I, I did not enjoy it. 
so I saw it at the the historic landmark theater on over on Inwood. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a little bit like Texas Theater, mm. very old. So they they don't have like um, rows of seats. They have like these big couches, but they're like yeah, I've, I've heard about that. But they're they're not like you know uh, like two person like AMC style couches. They're like they look like they got them all at the thrift store. Right. Um, it wasn't real comfortable, but it was kind of unique. Yeah, it's funny. I used to go to uh, Look Cinema because they have they have couches sometimes you can yeah. get, and like that's great, great for a date night if you can swing it, uh, or or families rent them. Yeah, those are great. Um, I, I watched this, yeah, like in an, in an old, it's just a normal theater. Like I just went and saw a screening Friday night. I think I went and saw it and it was like half empty. And uh, the movie's been killing it at the box office. But yeah, if I could recommend it, just like any slasher flick, I'd say best setting, watch it at home with friends and alcohol. Like have yeah. have fun, <laughs> laugh, or, you know, make, make goofy comments. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you're trying to actually watch it, like for, for, as, for cinema's sake, I, I think you might be disappointed by the vast number of plot holes and conveniences i mean at one point the mayor in the movie is like well what are we gonna do cancel halloween (laughs) i'm like yes there's a bus full of mental patients out including one who murdered like 18 people dude yes you cancel halloween (laughs) tell everybody to stay inside what are you talking about like i know but i think he he knows that you can't do that you you could tell people that all you want they're still gonna go out in fact in fact they might go out more i'm not convinced i i I don't know it's it's goofy he'll get a spinoff and we'll see we'll explore it he doesn't get murdered and i wish he had i was like i can't wait to see the mayor get murdered it's a for what it's worth, uh, Halloween is a good bookend of the series. I, I feel I feel good saying that. And with that, that wraps our show for the evening episode forty, right? Episode forty. That's My right. God, forty episodes. Most in forty years in the desert. We, knock, we knock are these out. we are in in a month's time. We are coming up on our one year anniversary. Mm. We won't be at fifty two, which is a bummer. But you know, you take weeks off. Things happen. That's right. I. I don't know. We should do something for the one year. I don't know what. It's not. I was going to say we should do something for 50 episodes, but really 100 is where you want to, you know. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. We'll um, figure something out. Yeah. Justice League was, I think, our first um, first thing. Mm. Justice League. My God. Maybe we could do like a. No. We'll talk offline about it. I got I got, <laughs> I got ideas. We'll figure it out. Uh, but we, next week, we're going to do, we're going to skip uh, Beautiful Boy for now. It's in select theaters right now. Haven't found a good place to see it. It's everywhere November 9th, I think. Uh-huh. So we'll do it somewhere around then. Next week, we're planning on doing Bohemian Rhapsody and Suspiria. Uh, very excited about, I guess, both. <laughs> very excited about, I guess. Very excited about Suspiria. My God, that runtime, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard really good things, and I, I have stayed away from the original. Um, and I've seen, I mean, the trailers are effective, and it looks creepy. Right. It is very long, so I've, I'm just I, uh, yeah. preparing myself. I'm going to nap beforehand. I've seen, uh, yeah, you go. I've seen the first uh, first half of the original. I've never finished it. I always get bored. <laughs> Say what you will about Dario Argento. I'm sorry. The man's the man's boring. I, I, I <gasps> That's where I'm at, uh, at least in, the, in that instance of that one film. I'm excited about the new one, though. I'm not going to see it Halloween night like you are. I'm probably going to see it in some lame Friday or something, but... Uh, for what it's worth, I'm excited about it. If you want to get involved with the show, if you want to tell us what you thought of something or you want to say something sucks, if you want to, I, I, I don't know, if you, if you liked our reviews, if you didn't like them, if you disagreed, if you agreed, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all over the place, I promise. Uh, check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. Talk about what we're doing next week. Talk about correspondence. I think that's everything, right? Yeah. I believe so. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, from all of us here at Offscript, the home 
of Bold Cinema. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.